because it's one of my favorite ty- types of stories where uh, somebody's working as an employee and they just have ambitions and desires to, to work on their own, to do their own thing. And they slowly but surely um, build what turned out to be a wonderfully profitable um, small business. And Adam's business is kind of um, oriented around this this unique idea in the internet age that a lot of people can actually learn by watching you learn, as long as you're documenting and relaying what you just learned to other people. Um, so this is the opportunity that Adam is pursuing. He says, I think the education around teaching people how to be software developers is broken in a lot of ways. I don't think the old school university institutions do a very good job preparing people to be developers. I think learning to be a software developer should be treated like learning to be a carpenter, something where you actually get to learn from other people and do the job. Universities tend to focus on the theoretical stuff that isn't necessarily preparing you for working in the field. Um, Then just a little bit about his personality here, um, and I just love people like this. He says, I'm not really happy unless I'm learning, unless I have something I'm excited about that I'm diving into to get better at. And of course, this applies to uh, things outside of work too. I think it's uh, this is obviously a key element in trying to get better at whatever craft you're pursuing. But I would also say just a constant focus on learning just makes you an overall more interesting person. And that can pay dividends in all kinds of unpredictable ways. So he an example of how his natural curiosity and his desire to learn applied to, uh, to a habit outside of work. He says, when I was obsessed with powerlifting, I was reading Russian strength training manuals and translating them into English so I could find what approaches people were using in different places. I'll go to the ends of the earth to find the information that I want. And in large part, I would have to say a lot of his customers are probably the exact same way. Um, he says, all of this, meaning turning into a founder, was somewhat, of an a- was somewhat of an accident in some ways. Even when I released my first book, I didn't have aspirations to be a full-time author slash course creator. I did it from a passion for making things and putting them, putting them on, uh, on the internet. I wasn't doing it to escape the 9 to 5. That just happened. And I love this idea of, he's saying, the, the desire to create a product came from... from um, from passion, I always think about that old Jeff Bezos quote that missionaries make the best products, and I definitely think that's true. Um, so the host, Cortland Allen, uh, talked about the benefits of the route that Adam took. He says, listen, today your courses and books have generated millions of dollars in sales, and you get to keep all of that. You don't have a publisher. You don't have an agent. It's all yours. And again, this is example number 700,648 of why we're really, really lucky to be alive in the age of the internet because before the internet, these things just wasn't that, wasn't possible. It might have been possible on like a small, much smaller scale, but it's, it would be impossible to read, to publish everything yourself, to not need a broker, to not need an intermediary, and yet also being able to, to access a large audience for your work. Um, so he says, something I never thought about, so this is a great example of comp contrasting like what happens when you're able to to control your own like how you work and when you work and what you work on versus the life of like say a regular employee he says something i never thought about until i was in it your life is a lot different when you run your own business than it is when you have a job i feel like i'm retired now because i go to i get to work on the things that i want to work on i can work my own hours i have no one telling me what to do all of my income is not coupled to the amount uh, of effort I put in that is only possible when you have equity in something that makes money. And this is advice that, um, that helped Adam get started. Cause you know, it's a real big leap between I have a job and a skill and then, Oh, I can design products that other people will pay for. And so a lot of people kind of get tripped up at this initial step. And he says, why don't you start with something he calls a tripwire product, a product that's really small that you could charge something like $10 for. 
it gets your feet wet. You get to practice with marketing. Anyone who buys that, uh, who buys that is going to, uh, anyone who buys that is going to be more likely to buy from you in the future. Um, so this is really funny because I'm going to get into some of the outrageous numbers that he's had on some of his product launches. And to, uh, this is Adam's wife's reaction to his first really successful launch. And you'll understand her reaction in a minute here when you hear the numbers. She was scared. This doesn't seem right. Are we doing something illegal? You're not supposed to just have money like this show up in your bank account. Um, it, uh, more advice. I think uh, Adam has a really good point about like, the benefits of putting things for free that are valuable to others on the internet. He says, I certainly don't think building an audience could ever be a bad thing. Be helpful on the internet. Even if you don't have anything to sell, you might one day. No more advice on what to work on. Look for what energizes you. Look for some alignment between the things you derive satisfaction already that also contribute to your end goal. Um, here's some common bad advice. He says, common bad advice people give is the first step to validating a product idea is making a landing page and see how many people sign up. To me, that is the last step. No one is going to sign up on a landing page to buy something from someone they've never heard of who has never delivered value before. The best way to test is to create free content first. And this is the, um, now here's some numbers about Adam's most successful product launch so far. And, you know, this doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you just put a, like he just said, it's not like you put a landing page up. He built an audience first and he says the, it, meaning the product did $40,000 in the first few hours. We hadn't even told a single person it was live. It did close to 400,000 on the first day, a million in the first month and 1.3 million in total so far. And I'm pretty sure that that name of that product is refactoring UI, which is teaching you how to, to make your, your design of your product uh, look better. Um, then he talks about like Twitter has been huge for his development of an audience. And he's like, tweets are not just sitting down and tweeting something out in three seconds. Like a lot of people think that just because you can do that, that's what you should do. Some tweets take two weeks to make. They're like blog posts and sometimes harder since you have to distill your point down to 280 characters. And then he talks about like, don't just link people and expect them to engage with it. He's like, tweeting about a blog post is not going to get as much engagement as fitting the information from the blog post into the tweet. So make content that's natural for the, the place in which you're putting it. Uh, when you first announce a product and start to collect emails, you get a lot of signups on the first few days, but then it drops off completely. What I do to keep it alive and new people signing up to the list as I do updates to the product, like a new chapter or post, I make sure I announce that I'll be sending the email on other channels first. Example, two hours from now, I'm sending out a new chapter from Refractoring UI. In case you're not on the list, here's a landing page in case you want to get a copy. And I love this idea because people are way too obsessed, in my opinion, with analytics. Um, I especially hear from a lot of people building products in the podcast space, and they always want to talk about analytics. And I'm like, well, my energy should be just be making the best podcast that I could possibly make. Uh, he says, don't obsess over analytics. It's not the right place to invest your energy. I have no idea how many visitors we have on our landing page. I don't know what percentage of those people sign up. I never thought to A-B test anything. I don't know what websites they're coming from. All I know is anytime I put out a free blog post, a well-crafted Twitter tip, or do a live stream, I make more money. Those are activities that are delivering value to other people that I enjoy doing. I love that point. Optimizing analytics would, uh, opt optimi optimizing analytics would, uh, would, wouldn't ever move the needle uh, as much as making more awesome free stuff and being valuable to people on the internet. You see that he's repeating this over and over again. It's obviously a really important point to him. And finally, uh, he, yeah, I really like this concept. 
It is better to build a small product really well than a large one sloppily. And somebody else told him this idea, this concept called the SLC. And that stands for Simple, Lovable, Complete Product. Make a really good skateboard. Don't make a crappy car.